0: I want to talk about uh, blessed are the meek, and we've been in, a, in kind of a mini-series uh, going through the Beatitudes, and we talked about blessed are the poor in spirit, and we talked about blessed are those who mourn. Tonight, we'll be talking about blessed are the meek. It comes out of Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. If you have a copy of God's Word, uh, we will be in that verse, and also to be on the screen. It says blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Now, in this message we're going to give we're, we're going to go through a twofold expression of what meekness is. And I want to give you practical application on exactly what that is because, you know, many times when you read the Bible you see a word and you and you don't maybe understand what the word means or any, or sometimes even if you look it up in some new dictionaries, you don't see what the word means. But Jesus really lays it out with it with the word and the the life that he actually lived. He lived a very meek life. Now, we need to know, I'm going to recap, that the Beatitudes build on each other. We talked about being, you know, when you know that you are poor in spirit, it causes you to mourn over your condition. You know, being poor in spirit, you, you have to understand that When Jesus was teaching this, he was talking to Pharisees. He was talking to people that were beat down by the religious system of that day. And so Jesus came, because remember, the Pharisees didn't think that they were poor in spirit. They thought they had it all together. And Jesus came and told them, blessed are the poor in spirit, meaning blessed are you who have no spiritual resources on your own. So the first four deal with our attitude in light of God. And the last four Beatitudes deal with how it reflects upon each other. Now, in today's society, meekness is looked at as weakness, really. But that is not what meekness is at all. Meekness is not being timid, spineless, unassertive, or easily dominated. You know, if you look that word up now in today's dictionary, that's basically what it will tell you that it means. But meekness is the opposite of self-righteousness. Really, self-righteousness is what put Jesus on the cross. See, it wasn't his good things that he was doing on this earth. It was the fact that he kept coming against the religious establishment of that day that thought they knew it all, that thought they knew how to guide the people. And, And Jesus himself said that he was leading, that the Pharisees were leading people off of the cliffs. He would say something like, you will not get in and people following you, you will lead them to hell. So we know that during this time, Jesus is telling and teaching truth to people that were arrogant, that were hard-hearted, they were religious, and that all, that all of those characteristics smother meekness. Meekness is the opposite of arrogance, haughtiness, smugness, defensiveness, people that are always defensive. Listen, The guy or gal, man or woman, who is very argumentative, is displaying a fruit killer of meekness. If all you like to do is argue, meekness is far from you. The desire to always be right. The desire to nitpick on every little bitty thing so you can be right, which the source is pride. And that's what Jesus was telling them. The Pharisees—they thought they had it all together. They looked at Jesus like he was the one who was crazy. Let me read you a verse of an of a, of a perfect example of meekness. First Peter two twenty two and twenty three. It says he never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God. Who always judges fairly. Now, another example of of meekness is not spouting off at the mouth. You know what I mean? You, You ever been in one of those predicaments? Where you like, boy, I could tell you something right now, and it would it would wipe your face off. Right? That, y- y'all been in that, y'all probably was in that situation this week, but we in church, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> Listen, true meekness displays itself largely in reaction. The way you react. It can be verbal or nonverbal with criticism or interaction with difficult people. See, God will bring strategically difficult people in your life to make you more like Christ. Don't look at your wife. Don't look, <laughs> Don't look at your in-laws. But listen. Meekness in our lives is really one of those things that is hard to allow to develop. Because the birds of self-righteousness or complaining or bitterness wants to swoop down and pluck up the growth. And see, meekness is not natural niceness. Like, oh, that guy's just a meek guy. He's just naturally nice. It has nothing to do with our own personality or temperament. You know, because people, you, you'll see a guy who displays meekness, but it's not biblical meekness because you got to remember, poor in spirit, being poor in spirit, realizing that you have no, nothing that you can bring God that's that's worth anything because it's outside of Christ. Knowing that even after you've given your life to the Lord, that I still need him every step of the way. You never have an attitude where I've arrived. God, I got this. It's always a leaning in dependency on, on Christ. Remember, I, I, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, that it's not like, okay, God, I got this. God does not want you to mature from him. He wants you to mature in him. When you mature in Him, you're growing in Him. You're, you're closer to Him. You are, you are answering life's problems the way He is guiding and telling you to do it. See, true meekness is the work of the Holy Spirit and is expressed in (laughs) self-control. Don't check out on me. Self-control is very difficult. But see, these are fruits that happen in your life where you can judge yourself. How am I? Am I meek? Well, let me see how much of self-control I have. See, self-control is the ability to do things you have to, whether you want to or not. That's what self-control is. Meekness is power under control. It's like a wild horse being tamed. Let me give you a picture of what meekness looks like. And we need to go no further than the King of kings and Lord of lords. Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29, it says, Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. So this gives us insight to what meekness is, biblical meekness. It's when we are, when he says, take my yoke upon, upon you. Learn from me, for I am meek. So what he's saying is, you've got to remember, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. People were working their selves to the bone with religious activity, and they were not in Christ. And so he's saying, lay those burdens down, come unto me, and I'll give you rest. Meaning, when you come to Christ, he puts you in a position of rest. You're seated at the with with Jesus in heavenly places that means you are in Christ you rest from trying to become righteous and you sit in the position of righteousness see religion says perform relationship says i have already performed resting is resting in your identity of who Christ says you are that produces biblical meekness because you're not having to defend yourself. You know what Jesus has said about you. You know that he has already made you victorious. Look what it says in Matthew 21:5. Behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey. When Jesus rode in, he came in as the meek king of kings. Like a lowly lamb led to the slaughter. But he's coming back as the mighty lion of the tribe of Judah. See, meekness is also lowly or gentle. What does that mean? It means submissive and tenderhearted. You're submitted to Jesus Christ. That's the hard part of Christianity. You want to do what you want to do. You want to say what you want to say. You're like, God, I don't know how it works up there. But let me tell you something. This comeback would be so epic down here, God. And God saying, exercise meekness. Learn of me. Learn of me is what he's saying. Listen, Jesus displayed this in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember, he could have dispatched millions of angels. Millions of angels. He had power under control. Think of it as Jesus was slapped. His beard was pulled from his face. He took it. He took those things. Think about how he was mocked and laughed at. Easily, he could have opened the ground and swallowed every last one of them. He was all powerful and had the ability to do it. He was beaten so bad, the Bible says that he was unrecognizable as a human being. Imagine as the cat of nine tails goes whistling through the through the air, ripping the flesh off of his back. Jesus could have made every arm of those soldiers fall off. He could have caused every heart to stop and then fall on the ground and rile in pain. But he did not. That's power under control. Don't think for one second that Jesus is When we say meek, he's just like, oh, I pray that no one bothers me. Listen, Jesus has all power and authority, but that power was under self-control because he knew that there was a plan and a purpose. Look as he's walking with that beam on his back and he's being kicked and pushed to the ground. Look as he lays on those wooden beams and they bring, and they bring spikes and they smash it through his hands. The very hands that flung the stars into space against the darkness of the night. The very hands that created the first parents of those that were crucifying him. He laid there and took it. Why? Because of his plan and purpose. You see, we have this same power to display meekness on the job at the Thanksgiving table. When politics come up, mm -hmm, we have the ability to exercise restraint for the goodness of, of purpose and plan. See a lot of times when people start getting into these, these issues, they're alienating themselves for the gospel. A lot of times, just when I'm telling you, when you see when somebody wants a candidate or they get on a political rant, man, as soon as you identify yourself, you have just alienated yourself from being able to speak into their lives. And I'm just here to say that we always, no matter what it is, need to stand for righteousness, but in love If is what I'm about to say going to destroy my witness or not. Will it further the kingdom of God or not? That's how I view every conversation that I have. Because there's some things that we can discuss and talk about that could damage the furtherance of the gospel. I know some of you may not want to hear that, but it's true. We do stand for righteousness. We do stand up and speak up. But we have to be mindful and we have to be careful on how we do it. Listen, we live in a hardball playing society where lack of meekness has now filled our streets with violence. The lack of self-control opens the door for appetites that rage out of control and it leaks into our streets. Proverbs 25, 28 says a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Blessed are those that live under divine, supernatural control. Paul believed the same way. Look at what he says in Ephesians chapter 4. It says, Therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace." Is what I'm about to do or say going to keep unity in my household under the spirit and the bond of peace? Those are the kind of ways that we as the children of God need to think. Am I going to be part of the problem or am I going to be part of the solution? And it has nothing to do with the self-control aspect of I want to be right. I have an argument in there. I have a dog in this fight. No, no, the issue is first filter it, filter it through, am I going to further the kingdom of God with this? Am I going to destroy my witness with this? And that goes in every area of our life. You see, we have a license, which is grace. But you can use anything that you do, any behavioral lifestyle... You can choose to participate in anything. But the question you need to ask yourself, is it going to draw this person into the kingdom of God or is it going to push it away? Some say, I really don't care. I'm going to do what I want to do. Some do. They, they, I'm only trying to reach these group of people. And some people say, man, I don't want to. I want to reach these people and these people. And so it's all about your motive of the heart. Am I going to do whatever it is that I do? And if my mindset, if I know that God has given me a purpose and a plan that he is orchestrating, everything that I do, say, think is filtered through that principle alone in my life. Colossians 3.12, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. See, we, that's hard. <laughs> that's hard to do every day. But getting back, listen, poor in spirit, being poor in spirit looks negative, right? It looks negative like. So you saying that, you know, cause everything's self-help nowadays, but being poor in spirit is recognizing, emptying yourself, saying, "God, whatever is good in my life is only because of you. I have nothing to add to this. But God, what I do want to bring you, I play that. I pray that you bless it and that it's part of your plan and purpose. So that means I'm not bringing something to God. I'm bringing it to God in Christ. When you do that, everything that you do now is." Coming from a position of grace and not works. That's why, you know, when people do things to be right with God, they struggle because you do some right things, you're now evaluating everything you do by the good things and the bad things. But when you're poor in spirit, you realize that every, that any good thing comes only from Christ, and anything that I can do, I do in Christ. Because this is the thing, our identity needs to be totally in the work of Christ, in the work of Jesus, what he's accomplished for us. Listen, they have people all over the world that hate God, that don't want to have anything to do with God, that are doing great things for humanity, but when the last shot is fired, they will stand before God, and none of that stuff will matter. That's why I'm trying to tell you, everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that we think, the reason we breathe, walk, suck God's air is for his glory, for his plan and his purpose. Amen. Praise God. And that is where you will get life abundant and fulfilling. So it looks negative and also mourning, which looks negative. So you saying I got to cry in order to be sorry? No. It's a position. Okay, remember Paul. Paul looked even looked at himself. He knew what he was capable of. In fact, he tells us in Romans that the thing I want to do, I find myself not doing, and the thing I don't want to do, I find myself doing. He was mindful of what he was capable of. So even though he was saved, he still realized that he was still poor in spirit, meaning I need God in every area of my life. So when you line up the word of God, when you line up who God is and you line yourself up, guess where has to go? Pride. Because when you take a real evaluation of yourself, you realize that I don't match up. But that's the beauty of Christ. But then this is what it does. It produces meekness. You're not thinking you better than somebody else. Because now instead of being mindful of someone else next to you, you're mindful of yourself. And when you do that, that meek position in Christ then causes you to walk in humility and humbleness before the Lord. And when you do that, because remember, God says he resists the proud. So when you're walking in meekness and humility, you have now opened yourself up to the blessings of God. And you see, that's the point. It counteracts everything that's religious in society. And it did it back then 2,000 years ago. And it does it the same. That is why Jesus did not have to defend himself. Because he knew what God says about him. Listen, when you're meek, you no longer need approval because you're settled in what God says. Like it goes along with what Pastor Rob was saying tonight. Once you really get it and understand that, listen, I'm in Christ. It does not matter what I see, what I think. I have to keep my mind on what God says and what God sees. Listen, then it gets gets you to a point where there's no need to shout every good thing you do from the housetop. Or today it's called Facebook and Instagram. Because the... The issue is not trying to get man's approval because you already have God's approval. The problem comes when God's approval isn't good enough and you also want man's approval. That's the issue. And that's insecurity. Right? That's how, if you take inner healing or anything, you always learn that the dysfunctional behaviors come from insecurity and lack. But when you're in Christ, you are full. You operate all knowing that I just have to please God. That is how Jesus lived his life. He lived his life. Remember when he was baptized? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Everything Jesus did, he he didn't have to defend himself. He didn't have to make people like him because he knew how God felt about him. That purpose and plan that he was called to, nothing thwarted that plan and purpose because he knows that that's what God wanted him to do. So everything was filtered through that. See, meekness is applauded by God. It always has been and it always will be. Job 5.11, so that he sets on high those who are lowly and those who mourn are lifted to safety. Now I want to give you the practical aspect of this. Number one, what does meekness look like towards God? Well, first of all, it's manifested in our interaction with his word. Listen what it says in James chapter 1, verse 21. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Listen, we sit under a lot of preaching and teaching. And in essence when you're poor in spirit, in other words, you're saying, I need to receive from God. I need help in my life. I need to to receive. But when you're in spiritual pride, you're receiving to see, well, so-and-so need to hear this. Right? You ever said that in church? <laughs> Man, that message was amazing. So-and-so should have been here. You got all the issues, but they do too, but you're looking at that. <laughs> but the issue is, we, we we receive what we know we need to apply. And what we think we have locked, we, we cast to the side. Because see, when you start doing and, and knowing so much about the Bible, it can produce a spiritual pride that it's best to know one or two scriptures and do those than be able to quote an entire Old Testament chapter in King James English. But listen, this is the key. When you read the word of God, if you know that God is for you, if you know that he loves you, you're not reading it as a sword trying to cut you up. You realize that it's the word that God is speaking to you and he wants to change you. Listen, if you know that someone cares about you, you will receive criticism. But if you know that they're insecure and they're trying to get up one on you, or they are trying to tear you down to beat, to lift themselves up, you won't receive it. So, if you look at the Bible as a, as a, as a rain on your parade, or you look at God as a cosmic killjoy, you will never receive God's word knowing that God is trying to help me be more like Christ. Listen, instead of receiving it, what'll end up happening is you'll get offended and you'll take that sword that you feel you were cut with and start cutting other people with it. And that comes from insecurity. So I said all that to say, meekness is receiving the word of God saying, I need this. I need to apply it. God, I know that I'm poor in spirit in this area. Lord, I'm asking that your word would come alive and help me in this issue. That's how you apply the word of God. Listen, this is what we do. We, we hear the word and we start thinking about other people. And then we use it as a measuring stick, right? Or Jesus calls it a log. You'll get get it in a minute. The log in your own. And what we do is we start to identify and measure ourselves up with people. And when you can see, if you sit next to Charles Manson, you pretty good. Right? <laughs> but if you if you're judging yourself based on other people, You'll start sitting around people to feel better about yourself, and you're trying to now gain man's approval, which will produce spiritual pride. But when you sit under God's teaching, under his word, and you say, God, thank you for that word. Help me apply that. You know what you want to do? You now want to share it because you saw it work in your life. Now you have relationship. You're saying, man, you know that I care about you. You know that I love you. I'm seeing this in your life. And guess what? It's in my life, too. But this is how this is what the Lord was speaking to me. This is how I applied it. And I feel like things are changing. And you'll receive that way. You'll receive from somebody that says, oh, really? So you applied it. And it's working for you. So I want you to understand that when we read God's word, receive it with meekness. Receive it and say, God, are you trying to speak to me in this area, even though I may think I have it whipped? Listen, you will only see yourself as yourself when you see God as God. See, you'll measure yourself up to to Jesus. When we do that, we're always striving to be more like Christ. And that's the key in this Christian walk. Our desire is to be more and more like Jesus. Amen? Now listen, the the second part of this is our acceptance of his plan and purpose in our lives. Meekness flows from knowing and accepting that God's in charge. See, Jesus' whole life was lived for one purpose, to carry out the plan and purpose. Listen, there's two verses of Scripture that you can apply everything in your life to. It's in Jeremiah 29, 11 through 12, and I'll read it to you. It's probably something you've heard your whole Christian existence. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you future and a hope. So God has a plan for you, Romans 8:28, And we know that all things work together for those who love God and are called according to his purpose, plans and purpose. Everything that comes in your life can be filtered through those two things. When you filter them through plan and purpose, you're never thinking that what you're going through is pointless. Isn't there comfort to know like, man, what is this? What's the point in this? When you have a direct target to say, okay, this is happening to me. Let me filter it through God's plan And if it's not working like I want, I can filter it through the purpose of God, which will ultimately bring about what he wants to do. That's why I'm saying meekness is about receiving what God wants. his Receiving his word, receiving his plan and purpose. We need to know that God does what he wants to do. Listen, Isaiah 14, 27. The Lord of heaven's armies has spoken, and who can change his plans? When his hand is raised, who can stop him? I like that. Isaiah 46.10. Only I can tell you the future before it happens. Everything I plan will come to pass. I do whatever I wish. I like the fact that God is all-powerful. He's secure. He's not wringing his hands saying, I wonder what they're going to do. He already knows. Amen. Praise God. He knows exactly. Listen. We are on perfect schedule in God's plans and God's purpose. We are dead set in the middle of exactly what God wants to do. So we can have confidence in his plans and his purpose. And number two, we we can have meekness towards people. Let's look how this looks practically. Number one, responding when wrong. Listen, when criticism, gossip, or slander towards you, when the promotion doesn't go like you think, remember that Jesus is the perfect example. Once again, in 1 Peter 2.23, he did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. I like this part. He left his case in the hands of God who judges fairly. Listen, God is always fair in every situation, in every circumstances, on a national level, on a world level, on a personal level, on a situation that we're like, God, what is going on here? We can have full confidence and assurance that God is judging that situation fairly. He has his plans in purpose in mind, and he will carry it out. That's why you can rest in his abilities. Another way, forgive others. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as Christ has forgiven you. Remember, plans and purpose. Your plan and purpose is to walk with Jesus. And if unforgiveness comes in and you see that that thing is trying to sidetrack you, if you understand that God has a purpose and plan and that if I get mad and I get prideful, God's going to resist that. And He's got all the time in the world. He's going to say, Hey, get that area right. We can't go any further. Until you get this area right, he'll keep his finger on it. You'll toss and turn at night. Release it to the Lord. Say, God, I know that I need to forgive. I need to drop this bitterness because I know that you want to take me to a better place because Christ forgave us. He says the same thing in Colossians 3.13. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. You know why he did that? Forgiveness is linked to the appreciation of being forgiven. See, meekness appreciates forgiveness. Self-righteousness expects it. They think, well, of course you died for me, Lord. Everything that I do, you got to forgive me. That's a wrong mentality. That's not meekness. And in essence, that's how you fulfill the two commandments. Love God. With all your heart, soul, mind, and body, and your neighbor as yourself, you whatever see whatever God has forgiven you of, or if you start realizing that man, I need God's grace every day. It's kind of hard to juggle other people's junk when you got your own. So you you start saying, "Well, man, God's look what I did today. God's forgiven me," and you want to go hold somebody against the wall with something that they did. I'm I'm speaking to me. <laughs> Listen, being poor in spirit, once again, going back to the first one, is being mindful of what you're capable of. That's what Paul, that's that's the thought that Paul had. It's that civil war between the flesh and the spirit. And you know that that's going on in the inside of you because there are things in your mind right now that is coming to your mind. I battle this every single day, Right. We know, we know with, with the, there's things we battle every day. It's the flesh versus the spirit. So you know that you're poor in spirit. You know that without God's help, I cannot overcome this thing. So we need to start thinking, maybe there's some other people that have some things that they're trying to overcome. We might be a little easier on them if we focus on our struggle. That's right. It produces compassion. You see, being meek, makes you pliable in the hands of God. It makes you pliable. And it empowers you to give what you have received. Because you no longer feel like you deserve, I deserve forgiveness. I'm I'm saved, bless God. Right? You start to operate from an appreciation. Because you are mindful of the daily struggle or weekly struggle. If some of you have your halos on really good. You might get like weeks. I know I'm not talking to anyone in here. (laughs) Listen what it says. How does this apply every day? Galatians 5, 16 through 17. So let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives the desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. Romans 6, 12, do not let sin control the way you live. Don't give in to sinful desires. Don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. Submit yourself to God, like we talked about earlier. For you were dead, but now you have new life. Use your whole body as the instrument to do right for the glory of God. Now, you could take any sin there and put it there don't let unforgiveness control the way you live or dictate where you go you might be mad at a family member you're like I'm not going to Thanksgiving this year or if I do go I'm gonna sit at the kitty table because man I hadn't seen my little nieces and nephews in so long you know that little prim oh no I'm good don't let sin dictate your life Bring that thing to the Lord so he can put it under the blood so you can be forgiven and, and free of those things. See, it's always a choice. When you're poor in spirit, you're automatically going to the choice that God is putting his finger on because you realize the necessity and the need from Him. Now listen, you, you operate from a secure, grateful heart which positions you to receive what we need to give to others. When that forgiveness is flowing, Once again, we talk about this all the time because I believe unforgiveness is one of the biggest things. It can affect your physical body. But when you realize, when you keep, listen, always keep this in mind. God forgave me, so I must forgive. Which brings us to the the next point. I don't know if you ever read the book of Philemon. But Philemon was wealthy and and he had a slave called, his name was Onesimus. I'm sure you appreciate your name. <laughs> Onesimus ran away and he met up with Paul in Rome. And Paul led him to the Lord. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So when you read Philemon 8 and 9, it says, According, Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. Now Paul's saying, listen, bruh. I can make you do this. I mean, think about that. Because when you keep on reading, you realize that Paul also led Philemon to the Lord. So basically, he was saying, you know, I'm kind of like your spiritual father here. And I know you. And I've raised you in the things of the Lord. Now, I can kind of depo- I can r- r- pull from you what I've deposited. And what I'm here to tell you is that you really need to forgive old Onesimus. I don't know, I might not even said it right, but here. But here's the thing, Paul learned meekness from the Lord. You know why? He was forgiven much. That's why when you read a lot of his letters, he's talking about forgiveness, because he's operating from a position of being grateful. Now, he says in Philemon 19, Paul, I write this with my own hand. I will repay it, and I won't mention that you owe me your very soul. He kind of just jabbed him. And by the way, I'm the one who led you to the Lord. So Paul was saying, I led you to Christ. But he said, I like the way he says that, yet for love's sake, I appeal to you. Jesus did the same thing. Jesus came, paid the price and penalty for us. And, he, and that's exactly what Paul is echoing here. He's saying, I saved you. I, I've forgiven you. I've taken it. But in Jesus, I appeal to you in love. In other words, Jesus has all authority to say, hey, do this and do that. But instead, he appeals to us with love. Now, this is how it looks in my own personal life. Jesus tells God, what Kelly has done, I have taken upon myself. Charge what Kelly did to my account. Now, I know that. And Jesus could say, Kelly, I command you to forgive that person. But instead, Jesus would say, but I'm appealing to you in love because I gave you the love. And with the love that I've given you, that's what you carry to the one that has offended you. Which causes me, because I'm poor in spirit, which causes me to mourn over the thought that I would even choose to hold something against someone. Which then humbles me and empowers me to carry it out in humility and forgive you see how the the beatitudes go one over the other and so it's really Jesus has given you a step-by-step procedure on how to view yourself in the light of God and how to deal with other people that's what's so amazing about this powerful message that he shot straight to the people that were Causing all the damage and the people that were broken, saying, How do I please God? You see? It also empowers us to return good for evil. Blessed are those who persecute you. Romans 12 17, never pay back evil with more evil. Can we stand? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop here. Listen, it's hard to pray for someone that you're mad at, right? It's hard. That's why he's trying to empower you to keep that relationship right with him, because that's where the grace comes to exhibit to someone else. Listen, meekness grows in the soil of being poor in spirit. And the last part of this entire verse, it says that we will inherit the earth. Jesus is, is really echoing Psalm 37. The meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. You see, when you're meek and you're in God's grace and forgiveness in all these areas, it, it allows you to live in peace. Don't you want peace? Listen, peace will not come from politics. It's not going to come from the way we interact with our neighbors unless Jesus is the one steering our own personal ship. And so that's what we need to understand, that if you want to live in abundant peace, be meek. Because he said, he promised you, you would inherit that. Now, I want to just stop here and ask you, you, if you have no idea how to even be right with God, I just want to tell you, all you have to do is say, Lord, I know that I'm not right with you. I'm poor in spirit. I know that I've offended you. I know that I've broken all of your laws. And I need you to forgive me. That's poor in spirit. Then you realize the goodness of God. And then you start to think about, man, I'll blow it on a daily basis. Man, I know that it's the kindness and goodness of God that leads me to repentance. When you start to reflect on what Jesus did for you, it causes you to mourn over what you've done. And then it produces meekness to receive the grace of God. Do you see that? And you may have never done that. And I just want you to lift your hand. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to simply, I want you to acknowledge that before the Lord. And we're going to pray together. I see your hand. Lift your hand high. don't, Don't be bashful. This is the time to get it right with God. Praise God. And I want the church to pray along with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of your Son, Jesus. I ask you to forgive me from all of my sin. I confess that Jesus is Lord and that he took my place on the cross. I am saved. I am born again. I am a child of God. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, I pray and ask, amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, praise God, give him a round of applause. There's a green card in front of you in the pew. We just want you to fill it out and leave it in the info center. You can bring it up to me. And I just wanna have record of that so we can pray for you. And also, if you need a Bible, we have a Bible we wanna give to you because we want you to read the word of God. The word of God is what will change your life. Now I want to pray for the rest of you. You may be struggling with with what you're going through. I just want to simply encourage you. Whatever it is, lay it down and pick up meekness. Lay down arguments. (laughs) Lay down the desire to be right. Lay down pride. Lay down the need to feel like you always have to defend yourself. Lay down arguing. Lay down all the areas that are stumbling blocks in your life for yourself and for others So, Father, we come right now in the name of your son, Jesus. Lord, I pray for these here, Lord. Lord, I ask that you would develop meekness on the inside of all of us, God. We all need to be more and more meek, God, as we submit to the process, submit to your grace. God, we thank you right now for developing that on the inside of us. We honor you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, we pray and ask. And the church said amen and amen. Praise God. Praise God. Well, you're dismissed. If you need prayer for anything, we'll be up here.